1: Dr. Ryan Messmore is our guest. He's the executive director of what is called the Millis Institute. Now, that's a new concept that's happening through the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. He's former president of Cambion College in Sydney. He served as a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation think tank in the US. And he has a doctorate in political theology from Oxford University. Uh, Ryan Messmore, welcome along to Twenty Twenty.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Neil.
1: Well, Ryan, uh, some of our uh, some of our listeners might be uh, overwhelmed by some of those sorts of things that you've done in the past. Uh, thinking about political theology and uh, doctorates, Oxford University. I mean, it's pretty impressive background uh, to be uh, talking to us today about thinking, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. Uh, but I guess we don't want to we don't to lose listeners uh, by thinking somehow rather that our conversation through this next hour is going to go above everybody's head. This is such a crucial part of what it is to be a Christian believer, isn't it? The idea that our thinking changes when we have that encounter with God and we have a life ahead of us to prepare. What ways do you think our thinking is different to what we were before? Mm,
2: Right. Well, you're right. Thinking is not only central to being a Christian, it's central to being a human being. Uh, God created us as rational animals. We're, we can think differently than dogs and cats and um, dolphins. Um, and and God created us that way as, as rational people with brains. He wants us to think as a way to reflect his own character. So the, God is a thinker. Um, he imagines. He... Um, He makes decisions, Uh, he plans and anticipates, and he evaluates, and and he um, deposited those sorts of skills in every single one of us, and he calls us to use those for his glory and says in the Old Testament, come let us reason together, says the Lord. And so uh, God does not give gifts in vain. He wants us to use those gifts uh, to make the most of them uh, for his kingdom. And so that's a calling for each of us is, is to maximize our potential to think well.
1: And of course, when we contemplate uh, Bible scriptures that talk about loving the Lord with all our heart and all our soul, all our mind, we can't really uh, just put the mind on the top shelf somewhere and say, well, just leave it there and it's fine as it is. We're actually given this mind to use.
2: That's right. And and in the verse that you just quoted, um, using our mind as a way of actually loving God. Um, a lot of us tend to separate the heart, and that's where love and feeling uh, and emotion take place. And, and the head is just this neutral, rational, cold you know mechanism that, that uh, we use in university. But no, God created us as full human beings, and he wants us to love him with every aspect of our being, especially our minds.
1: And I guess if we talk about who shapes our minds, uh, we're all shaped by some sort of force, uh, our family upbringing, uh, political ideologies. We are shaped in so
2: many ways. Uh,
1: It's who we allow to shape us Mm -hmm. that's important.
2: That's right. Uh, every That's the way God created thinking to work. It is that we grow up and we speak a certain language. We live in a particular culture. We interact with certain family members who hold certain convictions about the way the world is. And all of that kind of forms the lens through which we see the world. Uh, we, we call that a, a worldview. And um, We need to be careful about what we allow to shape our lens. Um, Too many people can can just allow hours and hours sitting in front of the television to subtly form and shape the way they view the world, Um, what they think is real, what they think is good, how they think they should relate to other people. Um, But our challenge is uh, to see the world through a Christian worldview formed by uh, the biblical story. I guess the risk, if you are on a wonderful learning
1: curve, you're learning lots of things, perhaps reflecting on a time when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ, you had that encounter, you were learning lots of new things. There's a risk, isn't there, that at a point somewhere along the way that you might plateau Mm. and you think, well, I know enough now. I don't have to worry about, you know, all that sort of study and, uh, you know, getting into the books, uh, you know, exposing myself to new and different ideas and, uh, you know, understanding the big issues. This idea of plateauing, I guess Mm. you've got to be very careful that you don't let yourself plateau and that you continue to be a lifelong
2: learner. That's right. Uh, And that's such an important point. St. Paul, you know, talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it, You do not get to a point where you just coast. You you constantly have to renew, constantly have to evaluate, constantly have to take everything, as St. Paul also said, captive to Christ uh, so that we can um, make sure that we do not uh, become uh, persuaded by dangerous ways of thinking, dangerous ideologies.
1: Let's stay with that Romans chapter 12 verse for a moment because uh, I'm sure that while we understand the idea of having a renewed mind is what we ought to be having, mm-hmm. uh, there are some people that think somehow or other if you become a Christian then you've gone through a removal of your mind and right. you don't think for yourself anymore. It's somehow or other you've lost your individuality. What is, a, what is a good way to think about what happens with the Christian and their thinking?
2: Right. Jesus uh, Came and said, "I am the way and the truth and the life." And and so those who love truth will seek to follow Christ and to see things through a, a Christian worldview. And so it's it's not that once you once you become a Christian you check your brain at the door. Christians are called to be the most adept thinkers uh, possible because we have insight into the truth Himself, and and we can. Uh, We need to be the best scientists. We need to be the best doctors. We need to be the best uh, nuclear physicists. Um, We need to use the gifts that God has given us uh, for his glory. And and that's what education really means. The the root of the word education, exducere, means to draw out. So it's the idea of drawing out of each person the latent possibility that God has planted within them, especially within their mind and their ability to see the world and to think through things clearly.
1: Well, some inspiration this hour. And if you see yourself as the person who might one day go to university, well, there'll be something for you in this conversation. If you see yourself as a person who might never go to university but – but you might ask the question, what book ought I read next? Uh, you might be interested in this conversation too. There'll be something for everyone in our conversation this hour as we talk about Christians and thinking. Uh, Ryan, sometimes you'll go along to church and the and pastor will be there preaching and uh, they'll talk about things like stinking thinking, the idea that your thinking is somehow rather uh, left in the past. It needs to be updated. It's uh, It's sort of going off in some way there's this sort of you know there's a wrong thinking and there's a right thinking i guess there'd be some people who would be saying well uh, it's all right for anyone to think how they want to but uh, that's not necessarily the case because there is wrong thinking and there is right thinking
2: when there's wrong thinking and right thinking because there's truth because there's a real world out there that god created and he designed and we can We can think wrongly about it, Um, and and so it it is important to always try to test our own assumptions, our own thoughts and ideas against the hard, um, solid foundation of truth, of of reality. Um, And truth is truth. Truth is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now, how you apply that truth, how that truth manifests itself in different times and places uh, could differ. But reality, the way that God created it, was here before you and I came on the scene. It's going to be here after you and I die, and we need to conform our minds to it, not the other way around.
1: When we think of God, uh, because there are some people who try to rub out the idea that there is a God— How important is it that we understand that there is a God, that he is transcendent, so that truth has a deeper or bigger meaning than what we have if we just try to argue uh, one against another
2: who might be right? Yeah. C.S. Lewis uh, tried to get at this question by noting uh, just a very commonplace observation about humans living in society. You listen to any human being— start within your own house around your dinner table and sooner or later you will hear somebody making a claim about fairness or justice somebody treated me wrongly i was offended by that lewis asked the question where does that sort of idea come from that there is a right and a wrong and we could be treated wrongly <laughs> you know according to that standard lewis says it ultimately has to come from something other than our own feelings, our own instincts. It has to be higher than any one of us, and it has to apply to all of us in the same way. That is the the moral lawgiver. And without a moral lawgiver, without a God, uh, it makes uh, no sense to try to find meaning and purpose in our actions and our desires and our relationships, all the things that we Uh, care about.
1: And when you start to talk about that, uh, we can understand that in an individual sense, uh, how we actually understand fairness and how we might be treated badly. Uh, But when we take that to a new level of uh, looking at historical uh, ideologies that have developed, right. that have affected the directions of whole nations, of whole mm. peoples. Right. And some of those have been dreadful. And I'm thinking of uh, of uh, that Marxist mm. uh, communism. Right. And, uh, and some will say, well, a hundred million people lost their lives as a result of that ideology back in the 20th century. And right. there, of course, are concerns that that some of that cultural Marxism still exists today and is shaping the way we are in Australia. So when we think of those big ideologies, if you get it wrong with the little things, like if there's a God or if there's no God, well, the ramifications are huge, aren't they?
2: That's right. You mentioned the 20th century. The 20th century stands as the bloodiest history in recorded history. Uh, The the bloodiest century, the, the century in which more people killed innocent human beings than in any other point since we've begun tracking history. And the reason for that, where where those fatalities and those murders uh, and that blood came from, was atheist regimes around the world. Uh, So yes, it, it does make a very concrete, practical difference. And it's that lens, the way we view the world that we were talking about earlier, when you have a whole culture viewing people in a a way that's not true to who God created them to be. There are results of that.
0: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Our talkback line open
1: 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation this hour, we're talking about thinking like a Christian. You can contribute in a whole bunch of ways. How did your thinking begin to take shape? Or you might like to contribute by which authors? Who's your favourite author? Uh, what person who wrote a book has been an inspiration to you that's helped to develop your Christian thinking? Well, 1-800-316-316, doctor Ryan Messmore, our guest, Executive Director of the Millis Institute at Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. Uh, Ryan, I mentioned that you are uh, looking to introduce uh, for the first time next year what's called a Liberal Arts Degree. Now, some of us have an idea what, uh, you know, what degrees look like. uh, What is a liberal arts degree?
2: Yeah. I think when a lot of people hear the term liberal arts, they either think, uh, you know, the left end of the political spectrum, uh, that sort of liberal, or they think, you know, playing the violin, which is actually the performing arts. Um, The liberal arts is actually an approach to education. Uh, It has... probably a 2,000-year history in the West. And what makes a liberal arts education different is that it focuses on training people how to think. Um, now, uh, where that's different, I think, from the way most people think about university and what you would study at university, is that most people in Australia go to university to get a job. So it's it's education understood as job training. Uh the liberal arts takes a different approach, a, 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 holds a different purpose for education, and that is train students in how to think, how to reason critically, how to write effectively, how to speak persuasively, how to problem solve, how to translate raw data into coherent argument, and then how to share that argument uh, with other people, perhaps in a team, at a business. Uh, so it's, it's, it's taking that um gift of thinking that God has given us. And it's drawing that out of the student in every dimension and facet of thinking uh, that we have so that students can go into any field they want and learn how to succeed quickly.
1: Okay. When we think of liberal arts, uh, learning to think, and Mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, most training is like job training. It's uh, learning a new skill set to be able to get into a career that will earn you a good income over the years ahead. And for a lot of people, that will be uh, the ideal of actually uh, learning and uh, getting that level of training. What you're saying is this type of degree that teaches you how to think actually can be supportive of every career move you might make for the rest of your life. That's
2: right. And that's especially important in the, the sort of job market that our students are entering today. When my dad entered, you know, he graduated from university. He got his first job at a firm. He worked for that same firm almost his entire career. And that was very, that's what you would expect for for people uh, in my parents' generation. That's not true for the present generation of university graduates. In Australia, the average university graduate can expect to change jobs once every five years once every five years, and they will hold five different careers over their working life. So the question is, how are they going to prepare for that? If if they only study one specialty in university, what happens five years after they get their first job when God places a different interest on their heart or a different door opens to them? Will they be able to walk through and take advantage of that opportunity? That's what the liberal arts uh, allows with those Foundational skills of critical thinking and problem solving. You can go into any field you want and specialize in that field and and move laterally from one job to another. Well,
1: apart from the idea that uh, we all accidentally fall into our career, (laughs) if you had a choice, if you had the capacity to uh, make a decision about which way you might go, uh, do you feel as though uh, young people in our general society here in Australia actually choose their career too quickly,
2: too early? That, that's one thing that has really stood out to me coming from the states about the, uh, the Australian system, especially here in Brisbane. Uh, often it's in year 10 where we're asking students, begin narrowing down what subjects you want to study based upon what you think you want to do with the rest of your life. Who knows at year 10 what they want to do with the rest of their life? I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, we all should be wrestling with that question every year. Um uh, But what ends up happening is that uh, students, they make a choice when they're too young and then they enter into their first university degree. And by the end of their first year, 20% of university students drop out or change from that, that first degree. By the end of their second year, that statistic jumps up to 40%. And that can feel like a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted money. So we're saying at at the Millis Institute, if you're going to invest a year or two of education, make sure it's going to be valuable no matter what you end up doing. And that's what the liberal arts is.
1: Well, you can be part of our conversation this hour. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. How do you shape the way that you think as a Christian? Uh, which authors have been an inspiration to you in the developing of your Christian thinking? Well, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen our number. Chris is from Cairns. Hello, Chris. Welcome along to twenty twenty. How are you? Good, Chris. What are your thoughts on thinking well, this hour?
3: I haven't been a Christian all the time, but uh, what has shaped me as a Christian is actually uh, the Word of God. There was there was uh, sixty six books there. And really, it was the author was the Holy Spirit, and uh, and there's things there that state like, uh, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge God, and He will direct your path. And uh, the Word of God stands forever because it's truth, written, inspired by or inspired by God, written by men as as uh, prophets of old were inspired. They wrote these, and and that book is as more relevant today as it ever has been because we're coming to a times of a of a climax so that has been uh, the most inspirational we got one book with 66 books put together and uh, and there's statements from uh, god himself in there through christ
1: directly hearing from god your thoughts ryan messmore
2: oh i, I would certainly agree uh, you know the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and uh, the Lord's wisdom is found in the Scriptures. I think one of the challenges is how does each generation in in each context apply the Scriptures to the current challenges of their day? So how do we allow the Scriptures—again, we were, we were talking about a worldview—how do we allow the Scriptures to form the lens through which we see problems um, and uh, Challenges that perhaps were not mentioned explicitly in Scripture. How do we connect the dots between what we're given in, in Scripture with, um, you know, the, the day-to-day, uh, you know, uh, challenges that life throws at us?
1: So what you're saying you. is that uh, that every new generation needs mentors who can teach. The truth from the Bible into the new generation, so there are there's a skill set that's required there. that's right there's an understanding of culture, there's an understanding of literature. there's an understanding of context of where we are in the history of the whole world
2: that's the sort of thing you're talking about. that's right. And you know one of the one of the major themes in scripture is uh, it's spreading the word of of God to to other peoples, other traditions. And so we have to understand how. Our neighbor thinks, how our non-Christian neighbor thinks, what language they use, how do they see the world, so that we can communicate effectively to them. If we're not aware of of how we perhaps use words differently than they do, we could say something to them, and we could have them... I mean, think of how messed up the word love has become in today's Mm -hmm. culture. And when we say you know, Jesus wants us to love others. Well, that can be taken in all sorts of perverted ways and, and, and lead to all sorts of dangerous conclusions. So that's where the the, the logical thinking and the careful uh, thinking comes, taking what Jesus said and applying that carefully and accurately in today's world.
1: Thank you so much to Chris from Cairns in Queensland. Let's hear from Ross in Hamilton in Victoria. Hello, Ross. Welcome along to 2020.
4: How are you today? Good?
1: Good, thanks, Ross. What are your thoughts on thinking like a Christian?
4: Um, I, I was a baby boomer. I was born in 1961, and I entered the workforce in an era when uh, you got a job and you basically stayed there till you retired.
2: That's
4: right. Um, and then the 80s and the 90s with the recession that we had to have happened. And I entered year seven of high school Knowing exactly what I wanted to do as a career path, then found myself you know hitting the forty year, hit, you know hitting forty years old and deciding to I'd like to go in a different direction. and I found that very difficult with a limited education background. Mm-hmm. and I actually went to a business seminar uh, in the late eighties and a principal from a Sydney high school was speaking. And he said the hardest thing about teaching children, now this is in the late 80s, so it's more so today, the hardest thing about teaching children is we're preparing them for a career that doesn't exist yet that will only last them for three to five years.
2: That's right. And
4: I think that, I think that fits pretty much what you've been talking about.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Ross, your, your story is such a common story. Uh, for the three years that I've been in Australia, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that, and I can't tell you the number of families I've met who have been um, separated geographically be- because uh, one of the parents is trapped in a particular job or a particular career field, and uh, they're not able to um, to take advantage of other opportunities. and And so, I I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a parent. I, I certainly understand the desire. Uh, to have my children get a job, but we need to think strategically about the kind of job market they're entering, and we need to equip them with the foundational skills that are useful. I, I call them evergreen skills. They will be valuable and important no matter what career field you go into, and and those are the you know the the subjects that um, the students begin to to um, to leave aside in year ten: music, geometry. Uh, learning to speak, rhetoric, logic, Um, you know, we allow students to bypass these subjects at their own peril.
1: Ross from Hamilton and Victoria, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You can join our conversation. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Ryan Messmore. He's the executive director of the Millis Institute. And a new degree on offer next year uh, through the Christian Heritage College, and this one in Brisbane, but it's called a liberal arts degree. And just before we go to uh, a break here, Ryan, just let me ask you about a liberal arts degree, because uh, one might assume that there'd been lots of these in Australia, but that's not necessarily the case.
2: No, it's it, it's a, it's quite a different approach uh, in Australia. It, again, it's very job minded. It, it's focused on education as career training. Uh, the liberal arts used to exist in Australia. You know, some 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 of the main um, sandstone universities uh, used to to teach a general humanities and, and liberal arts education. Um, but but over the past several decades, that has um, that has narrowed down and kind of dropped off the radar screen. And people aren't taught to to want that or to desire that. They're not taught the value of the liberal arts. And so we're trying to recover uh, something that it, that is deeply ingrained in, in Western tradition and Western history, but is not very familiar to the Australian audience.
1: It's Neil with you. 2020, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about Thinking like a Christian this hour. Our special guest is Dr. Ryan Messmore. He's executive director of the Millis Institute at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. Uh, Ryan, we were talking about uh, this new degree, a liberal arts degree, uh, in our last uh, segment. Uh, not everybody will be able to come to Brisbane to be a part of that course, right. but you've got some ways that you can keep in touch with people and perhaps have some thought starters about the way
2: Christians think. Uh, tell us about this thing called The Pillar. Sure. The Pillar is um, a very brief um, newsletter that we send out via email. It goes out fortnightly, and we intend it to be a 90-second conversation starter. So we provide one thought, one idea. We try to link to a good article or to a good author um, and really just try to, to help people uh, think in new ways about new ideas uh, from a Christian worldview perspective. So our, our issue uh, you know, a couple weeks ago was uh, thinking mathematically. Our, our issue that I sent out this morning was uh, about thinking musically. Um, so hopefully these are our new, uh, accessible 90-second um, um, bits that can help people uh, begin to put together um, a, a, an informed Christian worldview.
1: Let me just pick up with you on that point because when you talk about thinking mathematically mm-hmm. or if you think about uh, music – and I'm talking about the study of music, I guess not just the, the listening to great music, uh, or things like geometry that you mentioned a little bit earlier. Right. How do those things uh, fit into uh, the growth of our capacity to think? Mm-hmm. Because I know that uh, there'd be a lot of Aussies uh, who, when we went through school, we thought we learned a lot of things Uh, That were completely useless for us (laughs) as we got into our career, because and we and we sometimes we're thinking about some of these uh, trickier subjects, those ones that really did, uh, in fact, contribute to teaching us to think.
2: Right? Yeah, it's it's so important because God has created such a a rich. creation, so many facets and dimensions of the creation he's created, Um, and he's given us different ways of accessing that, of knowing it, appreciating it, delighting in it. Let's take music, for example. Um, God created us uh, to see the world visually. He also created us to be able to hear different realities in the world, and those are two different ways of thinking. Take, for example, um, a visual way of thinking. with your eyesight, you are not able to see two things in the same place at the same time. If I were to, uh, to take a, a yellow paint on the wall, and then I were to take a blue paint, put it over top of the yellow paint. My eye would not allow me to see both yellow and blue as distinct. The blue would either cover the yellow or they would mix and form green, right? Uh, well, music allows us to think in a different mode. Uh, if I play two notes on a piano... Both of those notes, the vibrations that they cause, fill my entire ear, my entire heard space, and yet I can hear those two notes as distinct at the same time in the same space. Now, as Christians, we're asked to consider claims that there are two natures, human and divine, in Jesus Christ. If we only train ourselves in terms of a visual way of thinking, what are we to make of claims like that? Or you can ramp that up one further. We're asked to to believe that there's three persons in the in the Godhead—Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—and they fully interpenetrate one another um, in the in the tr- Trinity. Well, if we allowed ourselves to think musically, to think in the ways that music opens up for us, um, we might resonate, so to speak. Uh, with those sorts of Christian claims a little bit easier. Now, we won't know that that's happening in our brains as we're studying music, but it's it's shaping us to be open to new uh, ways of thinking that we might not even be aware of.
1: Well, we've just taken a big step forward in understanding that just listening to these last couple of minutes. Well, wanting to include our listeners in this conversation, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, you might like to let us know what authors you have read that have been an inspiration to you in developing your Christian thinking. Because Ryan Mesmore, I want to take you back to uh, the Middle Ages and the formation of uh, a terminology that spoke of studying God mm-hmm. as being the queen of the sciences right. and having a place in the thinking of those in the Middle Ages, which was uh, such a high priority, such a prestigious pursuit to study God, to study theology as being higher than the ideal of studying law or studying medicine. Uh, We've somehow rather lost the importance, haven't we, of the value of thinking uh, the way God wants us to think.
2: That's right. In in today's modern university, uh, we often are are told that God or religion or faith has no place in education, uh, that that actually – Detracts from serious logical thinking. Well, that that's that's fundamentally different from how uh, our um, intellectual ancestors uh, thought about training wisdom. Uh, As you mentioned, they held theology at the pinnacle. Of wisdom, as the queen of the sciences, the one that gave purpose and meaning and unity to all the other fields that one could study. And so, the reason that you study grammar, logic, rhetoric, the reason you explore music and geometry and astronomy, the reason you engage in history, literature, and philosophy is all to prepare you to study that which can only be known through revelation God, theology. And we're, we think that that needs to be recovered.
1: Let me ask you the hard question about when is the best time to start this? Uh, I mean, the obvious answer to that is going to be start as young as you can. That's right. Uh, the, the more difficult question is, uh, is it too late to start to do specific training in changing the way you think? Once you get into your middle years, once you get into your older years, uh, what sort of, what's your insights
2: on yeah. age and change? We, we are never too old to take thinking seriously. Now, it's true that as we go through life, we can form mental habits. They can crystallize, and those can be hard to overcome. But God has given us the ability to learn, the ability to change our minds, the ability to develop new habits, healthier habits of thinking. And so I would encourage people to continue the, to build up the life of the mind as long as they've got one, <laughs> all the way to the end. God wants us to be using our minds to, as a way of loving him, and therefore it's never too late to start.
1: Now we've been asking listeners uh, to contribute to our conversation by way of perhaps uh, letting us know what authors have contributed to the developing of your Christian thinking. Uh, as we if I ask you uh, Ryan Messmore uh, uh, those sorts of authors that have contributed to your own personal uh, development in becoming a Christian thinker, what uh, what authors come to mind?
2: Sure, well C.S. Lewis was such a profound influence on me. I read the Chronicles of Narnia when I was in middle school, and those had a profound effect. I couldn't quite place my finger on why I resonated so much with those books. But when I got to university, I decided to read everything that I could get my hands on that that C.S. Lewis wrote. And uh, I would encourage any listener um, who has not read C.S. Lewis uh, just to pick up Mere Christianity and to begin there. Lewis is trying to to talk to a general audience— your Christianity actually started as a series of radio addresses, so similar to what we're doing now. Um, and Lewis just has a knack of being able to explain in a very down-to-earth, logical way the truths of the Christian faith, starting where we are and working uh, toward uh, the queen of the sciences. And that, that shaped my thinking, that, that inspired me to study theology, uh, which is what I, I would go on to do my doctoral degree in.
1: Now, if we talk about new authors and old authors, uh, is there something special about reading historically well-known
2: authors? That's, that's an excellent question, especially following on from, from what we were just talking about. Because C.S. Lewis himself has a wonderful little essay called, Why Read Old Books? And it, it's fascinating. Lewis says, have you ever entered a conversation— uh, that began before you got there. Let's say at a dinner party, a conversation began at seven o'clock. You enter the conversation at nine o'clock. Have you ever noticed that the ways in which the people are speaking to each other, you're picking up that you're missing something. You, they've discussed things. They've formed inside jokes. They've developed a certain language. They've uh, addressed key points um, that because you arrived late, you're missing out on. If, if we think about a conversation taking place throughout the past 2000 years of Western civilization, we are entering that conversation rather late. We're entering it in the 21st century. We need to go back and read the authors who were generating that conversation at its beginning and all the way through at the key points of development. And so Lewis said, you should all, you know, as you read books for every modern book you read, you should go back and read an old book, a great book, a classic book, and and have that balance in your reading uh, repertoire.
1: Well, you might like to join our conversation. Tell us what books, what authors you like to read, and you can see that there's been real value. And I've got to say, C.S. Lewis is on my bookshelf. Uh, I could name another uh, author or two that I've felt that have been a contributor to my uh, thinking as a Christian. Uh, When I think of Francis Schaeffer, Mm. Uh, you know what? I went to Bible college first about 27 years ago and was inspired by Francis Schaeffer then. So I went out and I bought the whole uh, the whole uh, five volumes of uh, everything that Francis Schaeffer yeah. ever wrote. Yeah. You know what? It sat on my bookshelf for about 20 years till I was dipping into it and then just realized what a treasure it was and then began to read it all just from cover to cover. Absolutely amazing. Other authors that come to
2: mind for you? Uh, well, you, uh, Francis Schaeffer um, probably set me on to worldview thinking as well. Um, I worked for, for a while um, in an organization with uh, Dr. Oz Guinness, uh, who was a student under Francis Schaefer at Le Brie in Switzerland. Um, I think uh, Ravi Zacharias. Uh, I spent many hours uh, painting uh, my house, listening to Ravi Zacharias tapes, and reading Ravi Zacharias' books afterwards, um, uh, just a, a, a great uh, thinker. Uh, other kind of higher-level thinkers, uh, like Stanley Hauerwas, uh, Leslie Newbegin Alistair McIntyre, uh, as you get deeper into philosophy, into theology, uh, some of those uh, – um, Professors have also had a a profound impact on me.
0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: It's Neil with you, 2020, one 316 316 to join in our conversation. Dr. Ryan Messmore, our guest, and Ravi Zacharias, one of your favourites. Ravi with Just Thinking, in about 40 minutes from now here on Vision. Uh, Ryan, let me just ask you about uh, the idea of reading because we've been talking about favourite books and obviously reading, we can go at our own pace. These days, you can go online, you can look up all sorts of stuff, you can uh, go onto Facebook, you can get lots of different information impacting you from different areas. What's the difference between reading a book and the sorts of other inputs that you might have into your life uh, that shape your thinking?
2: Right. Well, that's a great question, and it, it, it ties in with, with the point we were making earlier that, that uh, God created us with different ways of thinking, different ways of knowing, audibly, visually, and others. Um, reading is one of the best ways to wire your brain to think linearly and logically. Um, that's quite different than our experience of receiving information through the television. Uh, through the television, we sit passively. We absorb. We don't have to track arguments. We we listen and we feel. So, so it, it's more of a an, an intuitive and an effective um, way of relating. Uh, reading is different. Reading is linear. It's logical. Uh, we have to actively use our minds when we're reading. We have to ask questions. We have to trace what the author is, um, is where he's wanting us to go. Um, so, it, So there's a different mode, active versus passive. And there's just a way of wiring your brain that nothing else like reading can do. Studies have have tried to figure out what's the most practical way to raise smart children, children who do do really well in, in school. And they found that the most important thing that parents can do is to simply have books visible in the house. Have your children catch you reading at home. Uh, that's, that ranks higher than sending them to the right school or getting them you know special attention. Um, another one is um, having them have an international experience. Uh, but, but the number one is, is reading in the home. Read to so your children. it's
1: get into that reading. Now, some of the authors, uh, even C.S. Lewis, you pick up a C.S. Lewis book, and actually it's it's quite easy to read. There are other authors, and if you picked up a Ravi Zacharias book, uh, you might find that some of the vocabulary in there is difficult. But I guess you've got to start somewhere to get on a path of developing your ability to think and understand. That's right.
2: And I tell you, our our thinking can be trained even if the book is – a fiction book. It, it doesn't have to be philosophy or apologetics. Uh, Plato and Aristotle thought that one of the ways we help train kind of our moral intuition: how do we feel what we should feel in certain circumstances? How do we resonate with what it, w- with the, the Christian life and the drama of, of uh, you know tragedy and and the heights of celebration? We do that by connecting with fictional characters in a story. Uh, So reading good narratives, reading the Chronicles of Narnia, for example, can help students, uh, can help children, can even help adults train and and attune their moral uh, capacity and their moral intuition uh, to love what they should love, to feel what they should feel. And picking
1: up on something you said a little earlier about uh, the way that uh, that we uh, love to read and we are responsible to pass on these things to our children and it's understanding not only the limited context that we have around us but understanding the way everybody else thinks as well because you can't understand the way everyone else thinks unless you actually dip into their world to understand what they're thinking
2: that's right uh, i think a pastor once said that um Every morning he would hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in, in the other hand. And we need to know the Word of God, but we need to know the context in which we're applying the Word of God. We need to know current events. We need to know the, the zeitgeist of our age. We need to know how people think, what their assumptions are, um, what's driving their reactions and their, and their convictions um, so that we can love them well.
1: And where's a good starting point uh, to say, this is the day I'm turning over a new leaf? Uh, I guess being in touch with you might be one way to talk about uh, being involved in the course that's on offer called the Liberal Arts Degree, and not everyone will choose to study a whole degree, but I, can you do that in bite-sized pieces?
2: Sure. We, we offer you know, a different mode of study for for anybody who, who can make it to Brisbane. We take a very personal approach. Uh, we don't offer online education. We, we want our students sitting around a table as Jesus did with his students, you know, talking, asking questions, engaged in conversation. So that's our mode of delivery. But we offer a one-year um, approach to that, a one-year diploma. We offer a three-year bachelor's. We offer a two-year accelerated track to complete the bachelor's in two years. But also, you know, anybody can audit these courses. Anybody can say, you know, I don't want to get a degree, but I would really like to take a course in logic. I would really like to take a course in theology, and they can come and and, and do that, and I think reap tremendous benefits from
1: that. Uh, Well, Dr. Ryan Messmore, our guest, Executive Director of the Millis Institute at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, chc.edu.au, or you can subscribe to The Pillar at millis.edu.au. Ryan, a pleasure talking today. Thanks for being with us on
0: 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil.